hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Three, two, one. Welcome back to Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Uh, my name's Daniel Knight, and I'm here with our host, the wonderful Joe Ford. Say hello, Joe. Hello, although I dispute the word wonderful, but thank you very much. Oh, no, that'd be, you know, praise where praise is due. Um, and uh, we are going further than we've ever gone before this evening. Oh, that's a big uh, clue. <laughs> We are going back to series two, back to 2006, and uh, we're heading off to New Earth. Um, Not the most popular episode, maybe, um, but I think there's quite a lot of in here to to enjoy. And uh, it also features one of my very favourite bits of Doctor Who trivia, which involves Billy Piper. Okay, well, I'm salivating to hear that. Before we even go in... What yeah. are your feelings on series two in general? Because uh, from what my understanding of talking to a lot of people in the last year is that one, three and four are generally considered very strong and two is considered a bit hit and miss. What do you think? Oh, I think um, I loved series two at the time and I think it really consolidated on the success of the first series. Um, there's some good, there's a, a, a good strong run of stories up until sort of midway, and then it sort of maybe dips a little bit. But I think the only story that doesn't really work for me is Fear Her. But other than that, I think there's that's there, there is a really good strong run of stories. Um, and the, the scope of the series as well, I think, is, is very, um, very wide. You've got, you've got this story, which is a comedy, um, but it's quite quite deep in some parts you've got the horror of horror of horror of tooth and claw you've got the the you know the return of sarah jane in school reunion you've got the the romance of of the girl in the fireplace and then the big blockbuster of you know rise of the cybermen and and the um age of steel the sort of slightly kooky oddball story of um the idiot's lantern and then you've got the the real horror Impossible Planet and Satan Pit and the the wonderful Love and Monsters, which um, is just really it's it's a real Marmite episode, isn't it? That one, but it's sort of you 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 either love it or you hate it. I love it. I think it's a lovely story, and I think it's it's got a wonderful cast. Um, and then you've got Fear Her, which um, you know doesn't quite work for me. And then you've got the the blockbuster at the end, Age of uh, Army of Ghosts and and Doomsday. So yeah. I think it's a, a terrific run of stories, and I certainly rem- remember watching it and thinking this was brilliant. Um, and we fear her. And so I, think, um, I think fear her. I think I like it more than most people. I mean, I'll still only say it's average, but I think there's enough in there. I, I, it's a bit like in the Forest of the Night, which I think is probably worse than Fear, her, in that it's trying to do something completely different, it's, and it's got this yeah. kind of very. Uh, nice monster in it isn't it it's not it's not really um no. anything truly threatening the trouble with that is and that's the same within the forest of the night that hasn't really got any monsters in either it's just a, a forest that's popped up because of a solar flare is this a bit boring because <laughs> monsters are more fun and exciting you know yeah but it's still yeah, got a big axe and uh that scary dad coming out of the cupboard at the end that's true 
I, it's it, the bit that really puts me off is the bit where uh, where the doctor lights the the Olympic flame and oh, he's sort of yearning and that's agonising. That's David Tennant. Yeah, for me, that's David Tennant's equivalent of my arms, my legs, my everything. That's the, the sort of uh, I, it's sort of embarrassing, but there we are. But that triple whammy of Tooth and Claw, School Reunion, and Go in the Fireplace, like when they were when they were showing consecutively, I'm like, man, this is the best thing on television. This show it is. It is. And, you know, School Reunion works even, you know, for, for older fans like us. Well, we're not that old. But for those of us who sort of grew up watching Sarah Jane on, on the videos, maybe have a faint memory of her as a, as a kid. Uh, seeing her back there was just absolutely lovely. And she, oh, it really hurts to, to talk about Elizabeth Sladen in the past tense. It does. Even now. It's kind of sad, isn't it? That, that, like, if I watched Sarah Jane eventually, I love that. I, I thought that was like mm. more classic Who than New Who. Yes, uh, it is, yeah. And, you know, I, it, it annoys me a little bit because I'm always tinged with a bit of sadness when I watch it now, just because she's gone and she was so amazing. But boy, was she amazing, you know. And when you hear about how nervous she was in School Reunion, like there's just no sign of it at all. She just slipped back in like she'd never been away. And that sequence at the end, outside the TARDIS with her and David Tennant, I mean, it just gets me every time. I'm a mess when I watch that bit. And I think it, it it works so well with it being David Tennant. And no disrespect to Christopher Eccleston, if he'd stayed for the second series, I don't know whether it would have would have worked quite so well. I think it, obviously it wouldn't have been a bad performance from Christopher Eccleston. But with Tennant, you get the sense that you know he's looking. You know, after after they first meet in the in the um, staff room. And then he walks away with that big grin on his face. You can see it's the doctor with a big grin on his face because he's seen Sarah Jane for the first time. And also it's David Tennant with a big grin on his face because he gets, he, he's getting to work with Elizabeth Sladen, who he watched as a kid and absolutely adores. And it's one well, of those times a... where the, the mask of the actor is just completely, is the, the ripped off. Yeah. And, and do you know what? I don't care because it just right. is such a wonderful moment. And as is the bit with Rose and Sarah Jane having the argument. Oh and my they, God. <laughs> I freaking love that. They sort of the one up with the monsters, you know, that's you know, so, my, that's my so brilliant. My favourite line reading in that whole episode is, is her going, the Loch Ness Monster! Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fabulous. But do you know what? We're not here to talk about School Reunion today. No, I know. <laughs> I think you've done School Reunion, haven't you? No, uh, Lucy McCall's yes. doing that with me very soon, actually. Oh, well, sorry, Lucy, we won't go too into that, but um, yes. Not that I'm jealous, Lucy, but yeah. She'll be sending that a gift back up. She'll be sending it to the pair of us. Do you know that? Oh, the Brigadier, the sort oh, of the look. Right. Is it the Brigadier look? Yes. Yeah. Every time I say something rude on Twitter now, I get, or in a podcast or anything, I get that bloody, get, I consider myself winning at life every time she sends that to me. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it, honestly. I just put X-rated on this thing. Um, well, I'll try and contain myself tonight, all right? Okay. Although there's a lot of, there's a bit of gender swapping going on in this one. This is quite, for... For the for yeah for the time it was a little little bit raunchy wasn't it because yeah Billy was um, going on yeah yeah well, bit of snogging I mean shall we shall we skip in and see what delights yes, await us go in. yes I'll need to turn the sound down won't I hang on it's um a bit better, better prepared for this there we oh, are don't you worry oh do you, when I did this with John Bensalia who instantly I adore. 
um, he had to he had to skip off and press record across the room every single time. I thought I'd lost him every episode. Like you come back. <laughs> Most people would edit that stuff out. I just kept it in. Fair enough. Walks so along. he did web affair with you, didn't he? Fabulous. Oh, we did, oh, we, did we did the, the Doctor Who Scream competition where we had to keep guessing which screams we were doing. Oh, he did, I did the scream from the end of Earthshot episode two. You know, the two men who were like, oh, oh yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Before we go into that. All right. Would you want to count us in? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, starting five, four, three, two, one. Go. Let's go. Oh, blimey, I put it well loud. Hang on. Here we go. So this is like a reinstatement, isn't it, of we're off on an adventure. Yes, absolutely. So I have a question for you. And I know that's what you normally say, but I want to get in this. Um, Jackie Tyler. What do you think of Jackie Tyler? I think Jackie Tyler, and I said this in Love and Monsters commentary I did the other day, I think she's one of the best characters in the new series for a lot of reasons. I absolutely adore Jackie Tyler. And when it was announced before series one that the companion was going to have a mum, I did wonder how that was going to work. But it, it I, mean, I, I shouldn't have doubted it. Russell T Davis is, is a brilliant writer. And Camille Kajuri, she's really cute as well. But she's got that that firstiness, oh but that vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she was in. Oh, have you? You probably never heard of this film called King Ralph, where she plays the love interest. It's a it's a film starring John Goodman. Yeah, and she plays the love interest. He's he's a sort of a, a very distant relative of the the royal family who are all killed in a freak accident. So he gets crowned king, and then he meets. I think she's a barmaid or something, and she's sort of. They, 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 you know, they, they, they fall in love, and because it's not proper for the king to have a, a barmaid as a wife, so there's a bit of bit of tension. And she's adorable in that. I think she may be even in Nuns in the Run as well. But she's, I, I just think Russ, I, I, the casting is right. so good, and she's so wonderful. But like um, Rose, I think the temptation was to write her as this sort of comic character, and everyone just thought, well, she's just going to be there for comic relief. And then in Aliens yes. of London, she gets like the bit at the end of Aliens of London where Rose goes, just wait for 10 seconds and I'll be back. And she's there waiting. Yeah. It's hard, yeah. right? The bit in Love and Monsters where she says, uh, let me tell you about those who get left behind. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, to, to, to a large extent, she is there for sort of the comic relief and to be, you know, the old bag of mother. But, and I, you know, there are bits, you know, in um, Passing of the Ways as well, where it's actually Jackie who comes up with the idea of, you know, the lorry to get the TARDIS open. You just, what about with Sydney? a lesser actress, yeah. she would have been, he would have been irritating. But Camille Kajiri is just so lovely and so wonderful. She's got just the right, the right sort of feistiness and, you know, bitchiness, but with a little bit of vulnerability. Just when you think she's um, delivered everything she's going to deliver, they do the alternative universe, Jackie, where she's like, who the hell do you think you are? To ra- oh, oh yeah, that. that's really uncomfortable watching that. I really that first that the first time I saw that, I was like, oh my goodness, that is yeah, that is not Jackie, is it? Oh, um, okay. So that, I've got two things I've got to say to you now. Okay, one yeah. is we're straight away on an alien planet, 
which is something yes. they never did in the first series. And I think they no. straight away they're going, well, we can do it now. We absolutely yes. trust that the audience is going to go with us to an alien planet. Yeah, and it looks really good. I think I like that cityscape. It does look good. It's you know sometimes the CGI can be a little bit ropey even now, but yeah, it works well. And I, the thing about this series is, as you say, it's very much a case of the first series. I wouldn't say they were playing it safe, but now it's like we've got a second series, and I think they've got a third one confirmed yeah. as well, haven't they? Right. So it's like we can we can spread our wings, we can try and do anything, and yeah, it really it, it's a very much a sense of we're going to sort of stretch it in terms of where we're going, sort of story wise, but also I don't know to to have a, a sort of like a comedy as the first episode of the new season is kind of a bit of a, a brave move as well because it might have put some people off yeah. but I think there were there was the sort of like a debate as to whether it was going to be this or um Tooth and Claw that opened the series oh. and they went with this one because they thought possibly that Tooth and Claw was maybe a little bit too violent a little bit too for the kids I, I um, think I think this is a pretty savvy move and I think uh opening a season of the new series on a lighter note is actually yeah. quite a good idea. I think it makes a bit of a mistake when it goes too dark in the first yeah. episode. Because like, I think Rusty Davis' idea is that like in Partners in Crime as well, and in Smith yeah. & Jones, which is like a real romp. Uh, it's like, let's go on an adventure. We're going to go on an adventure now. We're going to have a lot of fun. And then you can go dark later on. Whereas mm -hmm. stuff like The Impossible Astronaut, which opens with the Doctor's death. And... Yeah. Um, the Magician's Apprentice, which opens on a battlefield, and it's like, oh, this is dreary. Like, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to rattle Moffat because right, I think he can. Eleventh no, no, Hour is a total romp, and you know, works yeah, fantastic stuff. Yeah, this is filmed in oh, I can't remember the name of the building in Cardiff. And my wife and I went there for we went for a, an anniversary weekend to Cardiff, and she was um, eight and a half months pregnant, and she started getting contractions in there. Oh. But they were Branson Hicks contractions. Oh. So she didn't tell me. She just sort of sat down and, you know, sort of smiled at me. said, go and see if you can find the little shop. And because she always remembers the joke about the little shop. Oh, there uh, we are. Look now, you've got to promise me you're not going to get too excited because I've got David Tennant getting all wet right now. And you've got Billy Piper getting all wet. This is fun, though, right? This, I think this is really it is. Fun. It's great fun. I like it's the way her fun. hair dances and the music sort of dances yes. with it. I like the way she suddenly starts sort of, you know, preening herself and realizes, there, yeah, like that, that bit where she's sort of, oh, as fat. No, I, I'm quite enjoying this. I've got a big question for you then. Yeah. Are the 10th Doctor and Rose in love? Is my first question. And my second question is if yes, is that a route this show should have gone down? One thing I noticed was that um, Rose seems to be a lot happier and a lot more in love with the Tenth Doctor than she does with the Ninth Doctor. And it comes comes up very quickly as well, even in this episode, unless we can sort of take it as read that they've had sort of several more adventures since the Christmas invasion. It does seem to be a little bit, she's a bit quick on the mark to be quite so lovey, loved up with him. So it's obviously you just sort of, sort of feel, hang on, is this sort of based on his looks rather than the fact it's the Doctor? I don't know. Yeah, you're just saying it. It's bloody gorgeous. I'll be saying I love you straight away as well. Well, I think 
if my wife was here, she would be fighting you for, you know, getting in first place because she Bring quite fancies him as well. Bring her on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, um, yeah, it works. It does work in some some respects because um, you then you've got the sort of the idea of of Rose then being jealous when Sarah Jane turns up. Yeah. But then that also implies that Sarah that Sarah had a, a, a sort of romantic relationship with the Doctor, which really didn't happen. In, but they do. In, I think they do make that inference that that she had yeah. romantic feelings for him in in school. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, I don't think is is quite the case. And then they kind um, of throw Mickey in, don't they, to stir things up a bit. And then come sort of Impossible Planet, I think they they are at that point. They, I don't know if I say they're in a relationship, but they're very, very yeah. close at that point. Talk about moving in together and yes, yeah, very much so. Um, and I I know that's sort of been a bit of a, a turn off for fans, but no, I think it, I don't think it I don't think it's so over oversteps the mark. Um, it, it works well and, and obviously it's building up for the big you know climax of the season where they will end up getting split up and you know that that really sad scene on the beach and oh no you'll start me off I'll blub in a minute oh, so, but, yeah okay so uh, so literally since we've been talking we've uh, we're in the hospital the face of Bo is there yes. and the cat nuns there's lots happening here isn't it I I love the fact that they're nuns. I, th- I don't know whether is this a budgetary um, thing? Because so if you've got if you've got nuns, then you can have them all w- wearing wimples. So some of them you can see you can't see their faces. So you d- saves on the on the budget yeah. on the cat makeup. I don't know. Um, but one thing I've noticed with Russell's writing is, and I don't know whether I've noticed this because of a, being a Christian, is that you have a cert- there's a certain sort of spiritualness to his writing. So rather than just being nurses, they're sisters, they're, they're, they're nuns. And it, it's not, I mean, it doesn't quite work. It's not because obviously the nuns are then revealed to be the villains of the piece. So it could be Russell having a dig at <laughs> both in religion, I don't know. I but mean, also, he, has, he has been known to do that, hasn't he, in his other work, to, yeah. to yeah. put a, a not altogether positive spin on... But what's interesting is in Series 3 in Gridlock... He then he creates a society which is very yeah. sp- spiritual based, and it's, yeah. it's entirely positive. And 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 that angle is what keeps them going. Yeah, that the idea of hope keeping you going. Um, I actually, do you know, what I actually quoted because um, my other job, one of my jobs, I work for a church, and I, I I did a sermon this week. I actually, we, I was preaching on hope, and I actually quoted Jody's line from Demons of the Punjab. When she says love is um, in all its forms is a form of hope and hope and I can't remember it. I can't remember how it goes now. Um, yeah, I'm always putting in references to Doctor Who in, in my sermons, but there we go. That's when you know you've got fans in your audience, you know, they'll be like, ah. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they oh, there he goes again. Um, but there is, I mean, as you say in, in gridlock, you've got um, the the sort of that faith and hope keeping them going. And you know they they're listening to the old rugged cross and yeah. they're singing along to it and then at the, at the end they sing is it abide with me or is it amazing grace I think abide it's with me isn't it beautiful it's a beautiful moment yeah it is a, it is a, that's a that's a beautiful beautiful story also you've got um, later on in that season last of the time lords that you've got the doctor sort of build us this sort of 
looked on as this messianic figure. Yeah. And then you've got Martha traveling in the world, almost like his, she's an apostle spreading the word yeah. about him. Yeah. Uh, his disciple. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know whether I'm just sort of. No, you know, I don't know. Because, I mean, I was having a conversation with someone earlier talking about Last of the Time Lords and, and mm. kind of derogatory. They were saying, like, oh, that's the one with the Jesus doctor. You know, and I was like, yeah. You know, and, and I have heard that criticised, but yes. I could also see that being given a very positive reading as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly don't find it um, offensive, um, but yeah, it's it, it, it may be in some ways it will help people to sort of think about hope and faith and, uh, you know, it isn't necessarily a bad thing and the only time uh, so, where it's too much for me is that bit in voyage of the dam where those two angels ascend him upwards and the music's like oh <laughs> and i'm like okay i get the point you're really driving yeah. it now you know it's christmas i think they could get away with it because because it's christmas but yeah um, um, there was a really important moment just there where Cassandra was watching video footage yes, of herself when she was younger. Now, this is a really kind of frivolous episode, but it has some very profound things to say about identity, mm -hmm. I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, it's very much a case of sort of uh, setting the scene for the series where you've got sort of the underlying theme of prolonging your life against sort of the natural end of it um because sarah said sarah jane says you know in in school reunion everything has its time and everything dies mm -hmm. and then in this series you've got you know you've got the you've got cassandra trying to prolong her life by taking over rose uh, you've got the absorber loft um you've got the wire um yeah. in the idiots idiots lantern and then of course you've got the cybermen who are the ultimate in sort of prolonging their life um, at the expense of their humanity. So it's uh, it's a very clever idea seeded throughout the season to get right to the end where you've got the Daleks versus the Cybermen, two races sort of, you know, evenly matched, well, not so evenly matched, really, according to the Daleks, <laughs> who've lost their, their humanity in metal casings or, you know, blogs. You know, wasn't in... until you spell out that that idea had been repeated, I realised... That, that that had happened throughout this series Ooh. and it may be intentional it may be accidental but yeah. either way it's definitely there yeah what what's very lovely about this is i i mean i'm skipping ahead to the end sorry is that after all this jumping about and trying to prolong her life she actually says at the end Do you know what mm. it's time to die like she realizes yeah the folly of what's yeah and that's the moment where she she goes from being this absolute comic character to just being a uh, you know a person with some substance. And then of the last scene, which we'll talk about when it plays out, boy oh boy, that's an emotional moment. Now, um, this episode <laughs> contains my. <laughs> <laughs> We've got my Billy Piper right now. She's as, stroking her arms as we're as we're watching Billy Piper stroking her bottom. Um, now. According to Andrew Pixley, who did all the Doc Two archives for the for Doc Two magazine, that um, during the scenes where she's playing uh, Rose possessed by Cassandra, Billy Piper wears a wonder bra. No. Now, I think Andrew Pixley deserves a knighthood for the level of of <laughs> research that went into that that fact. 
Well, I hope he researched that thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> I think she is blissfully good at comedy and they don't give her enough comedy to do in series one and two no I think it's it, she certainly plays it really really well and um, and that, it, again it goes to this, goes back to the idea of sort of stretching the format and going right we've had a series one you've loved that now we're going to try and make it bigger better stretch it and so the idea of doing a comedy like this may have sort of not gone down well in series one but now that the you know the audience are fairly familiar with the format or reintroduce the format they can they can go a little bit further because um, i think the only real kind of farce in series one is the fight in aliens in aliens of london oh what with mickey and jackie throwing the the stuff at the no, 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 you know, but that, like, oh, actually, right. the, you know, the, 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 the Slovene, you know, in the, in the room all farting all the time, you know, like that's, oh, that's, yeah. the, that's the, that's the closest they push to kind of like juvenile comedy. Whereas this is an episode which kind of gives way to it quite a bit. It does. But I think, you know, that actually the, the farting Slovene, kids would have loved that. Oh, I love the, the kids. Well, I'm yeah. a, I have a kid. So, you know. <laughs> Um, but it absolutely showed that they were going for a family audience that they that's wanted. What he remembers, what do you kids. think? Rusty Davis remembers this is a family, or and I think that's been forgotten with uh, subsequent showrunners at times. Oh, absolutely. Um, as much as I've enjoyed Flux, and I think it's been wonderful, I, I don't know whether I'd be able to show that to my kids. Yeah. Um, and I'm surprised actually it's being shown so early. I would have I would have put it down for sort of like an eight, the eight o'clock slot. I think it would have done better ratings wise if it had been on eight o'clock but that's that's another story allow me to introduce you to my friend over here miss mary whitehouse she would agree with you entirely <laughs> um you do realize she's been dead for the last 20 years i do yeah it just makes making jokes about her even darker um <laughs> yeah that's Billy Piper's um, got the right idea as well, though. I think she just goes for it. If you're going to do this sort mm -hmm. of thing, don't you can't do it subtly. Just no, enjoy it. No, okay? absolutely. And then David Tennant takes it even further. Man, I'm beating out a samba. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's he he really camps it up, doesn't he? You know the Duke of Manhattan who we just saw with petrified regression. Yeah. You know his yes. secretary is with him. Yeah, uh, I don't know personally, but well, which actress was she? Uh, well, for ages I was like, who is that? I know that woman, right? And then the other week, did you ever watch the Thin Blue Line? Starring Rowan Atkinson? Yes. yes. <laughs> and there was a mayoress character in there that he fancied every time that he saw her, his nose started twitching. And she was like, um, oh, don't have a her. go at me, Raymond. Oh, yeah, it's the same actress. I was like, I knew I knew you from oh, Right, yeah, now I know who you mean, yes. Because I, she sort of has a bit of an Anne Robinson vibe to it. <laughs> I think that's the hottest kiss in Doctor Who, you know. But it's done very much for laughs, though, isn't it? Because look, his hair's all fluffed up. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's really funny. I knew I was oh. going to enjoy this more watching it with you, you know. But for all the frivolity, the, the story behind it is quite dark because those, those people in those pods are pretty much their lab rats. They're, they're, they're sort of, you know, this is this, you could say this is sort of like a, um, 
a, a story about animal vivisection or human vivisection. Um, and I think this sort of ties in with some stories which are, are I think, unfairly dismissed as being too frivolous when actually uh, it's, there's a lot of fun to be involved, to, to be had with the stories, but there's a, a very dark um, undertone to them. If you think about Delta and the Bannermen, lovely story, very summary. People write it off because they think, oh, hang on, it's Ken Dodd and it's in, a, it's in a 1950s holiday camp, so it's Heidi High. But it's got a villain who's one character away from committing genocide. Yeah, that's how it opens, doesn't it? That's how it opens. It op opens with, you know, a battle with people. There's a body blown up at one point, And I think you mentioned that. In a, in, I don't know, did you? Well, they, yeah. like, they, they bring in Ken Dodd and he gets to be all farcical and then they shoot him in the back. Yeah. I mean, if you want to show how nasty you are, get him to, to shoot, you know, Ken oh. Dodd. <laughs> but Nightmare of Eden as well. I mean, you know, we the mandrels aren't so good. You've got <laughs> Lewis Fyander with come on, I want you I want to do your you to do your Lewis Fyander impression. Um doing, Are you, you know, claiming superior knowledge? <laughs> Is that what he's doing? In that case, <laughs> I'm right behind him. The flora and the fauna in the grist deal. <laughs> but uh, that's about drugs, isn't it? That's about drug running. Yeah, yeah. Two characters get get killed because they they get addicted to drugs so i think you know there are some stories which i think fans kind of unfairly dismiss because they think they're they're sort of a bit too frivolous and a bit too there's a, there's a, a word which i hate which fans use which is whimsy um but i use that, that, that word as a as a positive as a strength i think whimsy yeah. can be wonderful yeah mm. So, so is this what the ends justify the means? They're, you know, they're doing fantastic work in the hospital, but yes. they are hurting a lot of people in order to do it, or, or a lower class mm -hmm. of people. Uh, yeah, people who won't be missed, people who are unimportant. It's basically like, like the doctors, savages, like... isn't it? It's kind of the same yeah. story as the savages. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. And then you could also argue that when all the people escape from the pods, it becomes a base under siege story. Yeah. And, and that makeup, so, I can understand why you might think twice about showing your kids, because that makeup is ghoulish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my boys, we did watch this with my boys, and the oldest, who's nearly seven, was a bit scared. Um, and the younger one, who's just turned five, he watched, he was sort of, I wouldn't say he was sort of mesmerised, but I sort of, would ask him, are you all right, Luke? Yes. Are you enjoying this? Yes. He, he, when he grows up, he's going to be a very good poker player. But um, <laughs> but then for days afterwards, they were they were asking about well, why did the face of Bo dive, Daddy? Why why? And and Jacob was sort of explaining. The older one was explaining. Well, well, the nuns were being nasty, were being bad. So the New York police came and arrested them and took them away. And it they it obviously sort of resonated with them in some way. But as you say, as you said before, it it's. It's because Russell T. Davis knows that he's writing for a family audience, and that family audience is going to be quite young to goodness knows how old. But Whereas I think, I Russell think Davis, for all of his um, jolly facade, is actually mm. a very dark writer. Like, like he'll put on this mask of entertainment, but there's yes. across those four turn left is one of the darkest mm -hmm. pieces of writing you're ever going to find in Doctor Who. Yes. Yeah. And, and this, if you think about it, is quite a dark idea. You know, people being, you know, 
experimented on, but it's 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 made acceptable for a family audience because you've got, you know, the sort of the the whimsical trappings of you know the of Cassandra taking over Rose. But I um, wonder if that's what people object to is is the whimsy and the darkness are tonally like and we flip from one thing to another from scene to scene yeah and i think there are times when doctor who can do that extremely well i wonder if because the comedy is so arch at points in this mm -hmm. that maybe i don't know maybe maybe it's a little jarring the juxtaposition is a little jarring possibly that's now, Martha's the, mum there, isn't it? Is that Martha's mum? And, and, oh, a Joe Arando, isn't it? Yes. Um, I only know how to pronounce her name because she was on Blankety Blank the other week. <sighs> I've just admitted I've watched Blankety Blank. I love Blankety Blank. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, this is a direct rip off of um, Time and the Rani. There's a bit in Time and the Rani where the Rani's inside a booth that looks just like that going, let me out. Oh, yes. Let me out. That's true. Yes. Yeah, but to be honest, David Tennant isn't isn't in there, you know, pulling funny faces and and gurning and and you know wiggling himself like Sylvester McCoy does. Well, well, no, you know, you know better than to give me an opening like that. All right, I'm going to choose <laughs> to ignore that this time. But we both know what McCoy's doing in that booth. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. He's got ferrets down there and all sorts. <laughs> ferrets, spoons. Goodness knows what else. There's no room. For no that. wonder. No wonder when he's 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 shouting for his companion to go. Hey! <laughs> the ferret's bitten him on the todger. Ferret's bitten him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know that nun makeup? That cat makeup is fantastic, isn't it? It's very good because you can't tell that's that's. Oh, you can't tell that's um. Oh no, that isn't. That's the other one. That's is it Donna Kroll? Um, the CGI is very, very good on this as well, but it doesn't quite—I don't know if it sort of quite matches up with the with the actual set itself. The pods are good, but this bit here—I don't know. I think, from what I've seen so far, I think the production value has actually been really strong on this. But you'd hope it would be at the beginning of the season, you know. But I don't. I don't think they do the sort of you know the 90, late nineteen seventies when they get to the last episode they've run out of money like you know the Armageddon Factor. I think they they're, they're a bit more budget conscious now. You got to think like the visuals in Tooth and Claw, that fabulous um, werewolf in School Reunion. I think the Krillitanes look amazing in um, Girl in the Fireplace, which is visually sumptuous. Like it just it, yeah. I watching these episodes, going, my God, they've got an unlimited Doctor Who's just looks amazing you know i mean that looks that looks really good doesn't it you think about how yeah the way that the, the, the camera pans down over all those pods oh look at that's chilling look at those coming out yeah and yet there's a there's an empathy for them as well isn't it because they're victims mm -hmm. yes they're not they're not monsters are they they're they're trying to they're, they're asking for help really aren't they it's just they can't help it is every time they touch someone that's what happens. You're right. This is complete. This just because uh, the whole hospital gets locked down now, doesn't it? So it's yeah. it's a base under siege. It is. It does does go base under siege, doesn't it? You know, Daniel. I think that's that same staircase from Rose. You know that they go down. It looks exactly the same. 
You know, when they go down to see the, yeah. the Auton creature. Oh, yes. Probably is the same place, isn't it? Yes. See, you can't see the faces. So, you know, you don't have to do the masks, the, the, the cap makeup. Even in this day and age, they're budget conscious. They have, to, I suppose, they have to be because we we tend to forget it's not a huge budget. Um, it's you know when you think about when you think about flux, we, which you know we're, we're enjoying at the moment. You know the CGI budget is probably you know minuscule in comparison to you know Marvel movies or Marvel series. But I don't think there's been anything in that series that I, I would say has been, you know, of noticeably bad, or I know some, some people complained about the Daleks hovering, but that's because normally when we see Daleks, they're on the ground. So maybe that's why, I don't know. You know what I say to those people, or that object to that season in at all, I say, do you know yeah. what? Those people risk a global pandemic to make that for you. Shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, here she is. Mayoress Chrissy Wickham from the Finn Blue Live. About to be murdered by a lot. But, I mean, is this leading into like The Walking Dead? Was that a thing at this point? I don't think it was, was it? I don't think it was, no. No, I mean, they are zombies, really, aren't they? But my, we said about, you know, the budget showing, but that is kind of looking like a, a, a seller in Cardiff, really. But... You know, true. That's true. But it's supposed to be the, the, the issues part of the hospital, isn't it, where Cassandra was hanging out? Yes, but I don't know whether it still doesn't look like a cellar <laughs> in Cardiff. But there we are. I think you can you can take these things too seriously, and 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 it detracts from you from the fun of it. You know what, Daniel? It's very unusual for me to say this sort of thing. But Billy yeah. Bob looks very sexy in that outfit. She looks practically yes. edible. And I don't normally notice that sort of thing. That's that's what happens with the one that's what happens when you wear a wonder bra. Oh, hang on, he's camping it up. Oh, here we go. Did you hear what he said about his body and hardly used? And hardly used, yes. But again, what? that would be you you could take that as being he's just regenerated, or you can take that being that, you know. Yeah, that's very, and I think that's the level that you should pitch Doctor Who sexual humour, i.e. it's a bit ambiguous, and for an adult, you're like, you're winking going, "Uh uh-huh, and as a child, you just... It works on two levels, yes. Whereas in sort of Moffat's time, it's more overt, isn't it, the sexual humour, and I I don't really like that. No, I yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Yes, the well-hung gag in... um, (laughs) God. The girl who, the woman who lived, but uh, is there? It's like yeah, that. Rufus. When Rufus Hound's about to get um, get about about to be um, executed, the doctor shouts and he shouts some. I, I haven't watched it for years. You know what? But yeah, I think that episode and Sleep No More are the only two episodes of New Who that I've never watched twice. I don't. I think I. Tr- I think I did try to watch Sleep No More twice, and I. I'm not sure I really understood it. I, yeah, it's a I'm bit not, of. Um... I'm sure, with you using the word "tried" is a massive endorsement there. You know. <laughs> Sorry, sorry to who wrote it. Uh, Mark Gatis. Gatis. All right, Gatis. Gatis. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's Reese Re- um, Shearsmith in it, isn't he? And he's 
that bit of the end where his face sort of disappears oh, is quite yeah. quite well done. But I, yeah, I, I don't really, I can't remember really whether I understood it or not, but there we go. Whereas, you know, I had difficulties with this, but I had no trouble remembering this. There's enough about this that's memorable. Do you know that woman a minute ago, that nurse, she turned into a zombie and then fell down a lift shaft and got splattered. I mean, that's dark, isn't it? It is a bit. Oh, oh chavtastic. <laughs> chavtastic, that's a great line. Um, it is. Do you know what? I think uh, that, that criticism about David Tennant, you know, shouting his lines, like that, it can be a bit. Yeah. Now, he's my favourite. Don't get me wrong. He's my favourite Nick Serious Doctor, but. Yes. I, yeah, there season, are times when he does get a bit shouty. But... It's, it's wor- at its worst in his first season, I think. Uh, in The Idiot's Lantern, it's particularly bad. I can't. Yeah. Oh, and this is the bit where she realises. This is this is the bit where where Cassandra sort of realizes. Hang on, it's almost like she realizes the error of her ways of sort of being so selfish and trying to prolong her life. And look at that. That's just, you know, you've got the comedy, and then suddenly you get that wonderful bit. And it's no wonder that Billy Piper went on to be such a, a highly acclaimed actress and is doing so well on stage and screen and. You think we'd learn our lesson, wouldn't you? Oh my God, Billy Piper is going to be the worst thing ever. Oh no way, it wasn't. Catherine Tate, you'll yeah. be the worst thing ever. Oh no, it wasn't. Bradley Walsh, mm. you'll be the worst thing ever. No, it wasn't. John no. Bishop, you know, we never learned. We never learned. Do you know what? Actually, I I did. I when when Billy Piper was announced, I did say, oh, really? But it was actually my one of my sisters who said, you know, before you start you know, criticising her, go and watch her in, I think she did, they did a version of the Canterbury Tales and she was in one of those. And yeah, brilliant in that. And, and brilliant in this as well. I mean, I've got to be honest that the, the, by the end of Rose, where she runs into the TARDIS with her hair streaming and that big smile on her beautiful face, I was smitten. Daniel? Yes. Why do you want to play that song so loud? Go on. You know you want to say it. What's up? Sorry? What's up? Do you not know the song? What? No. Her song. It was her most famous song. Why do you want to play that song so loud? Because we want to. Because we want to. <laughs> My God. You were looking at me then like I've gone mad. That's all I knew Billy Piper from before this. Was that yeah. song? Oh, right. Uh, um, I do like her version of Last Christmas. Oh, I've not heard she did, a, she did a cover version of Last Christmas. Jodie Whittaker's version of nice. Yellow. That's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, my, we, yeah, we, 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 we bought it and my son, my, yeah, Luke, who's the, the middle one, he quite liked listening to it. See, um, this, yeah, she's got a really good singing voice. This sort of scene here, them down in lift shafts, you know, together. Yes. It's fun, it's furious, it's adventurous. I think this sort of thing got forgotten a bit in Moffat's time. It all got a bit serious. And, you know, like, worthy and 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 smart. What? And, and in some it. cases, maybe a little bit too smug. There's sometimes oh, there bits in, in Moffat's writing where I just feel that it's like, oh, look, aren't we so clever? But um, in the and, Halloween apocalypse in Flux, that first scene on the grav bar, I'm like, oh my God, yes, that's it. That's what this has been missing. That 
fun, furious, adventurous sort of tone. Release! Release! <laughs> Maybe I'm Scottish when I set this up. Okay, this is something I've always objected to in this episode. This very simplistic way of mixing all these coloured balls. Like every, every antidote we've got mixed together. It is, a, it is a bit sort of, you know, convenient that everything that every, every yeah. I mean, I would not suggest the series is if you go and give people with leprosy a hug, it's going to ask, it's going to end all your, all their problems, and I don't think that's the case, really. No, no, no. It is a bit of a, 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 a but it, it, you do sort of it's seeded earlier because you see when he's talking to the face of Bo, he's sort of looking at these sort of you know the packages and you know the the pouches of fluid and. Um, I think that's the that's that's the seat where my wife was sat when she realised that she thought she was having contractions. That's one of the best stories that anyone's dropped on this, you know. You see that location, yeah. My wife, yeah. Had, had my wife, yeah. She, <laughs> yeah, they were, they're called Branston Hicks contractions. They're sort of like false alarm ones. I'm sure I've probably described that in a terrible way, and every woman who's had them will go, no, then it's nothing like that. But, um, it, yeah. But she didn't say anything to me until we were, until we were somewhere else. Daniel, that was back in the days that... when the Doctor Who experience was there. Oh, yeah, I visited that. I don't think anything you've just said is as medically shonky as what we've just seen on the screen. So don't worry. That's true. <laughs> yeah, well, this is Doctor Who's where I get all my medical experience from anyway. But also as well, right? So they were kind of ugly, weren't they? And, and, and covered in warts and stuff like that. And now they're all pretty. And all their problems. Yeah. It's very simplistic. It is a bit. And a lot of white people. The, yes. One of the things about the series recently, it's become a lot more multicultural, which is obviously a good thing. I'm not complaining. And, um, and a huge sort of celebration of women in the last three years, which I've loved. Yeah. And if people go, you know, if people are going to complain about, oh, well, there's you know, they've written out, you know, male characters and, you know, white characters. You've got Bradley Walsh, you've had um, John Bishop, you've had Kevin McAnally. You've um, 50 years of the show fetishising me. Absolutely. And, and now Russell T Davis is going to come back. Oh, I, I, I really hope he casts a woman. I hope so. As the I think he will. The television landscape or whatever wasn't ready for it at this point, but he would have done it if he yeah. could have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I heard a, a, it might have been on one of your podcasts, or it might have been somewhere else, that Stephanie Cole back in the 80s yeah, was. was approached to be the doctor. That's right. I think was he approached to be the sixth doctor or was it the seventh doctor? I don't know, but. That I was like, wow, that would have been fantastic. And you know, like, oh, I've only got his word on that, but you know, like, he's a very honest bloke, David Maskell. And um, the fact that she, you know, said that to him in herself, like, mm. amazing. That would have been would have been very different to have had Stephanie Cole strangling Perry, wouldn't it? Instead of Connor Baker, <laughs> that would have been a hell of a scene. The first female doctor. Yeah, let me get my hands around you. Yes. <laughs> but to be fair, she would have been able to put her arm around her. Okay. Because so. I think 
Colin said he couldn't put, her, put his arm around Nicola Bryant, but he could put, put his arm around Bonnie Langford. Sorry, you're about to say something. He couldn't put his arm around her, but he could put his hands around her neck. You know, <laughs> yes, Eric's award, your priorities are very strange. Um, <laughs> I think from this point on now, um, this is this is some of the most touching material of the season. Um, yeah. I think the, the performance of the guy playing Chip as Cassandra is exceptionally good. And I almost feel like he's been a bit wasted because he can clearly deliver a lot. Yes. It was very much sort of like the comedy. And now suddenly he gets he gets to do a little bit of well he, he has to tell a joke. Yeah. So he has to be funny. And then he has to have this dawning realization that he's dying and and he, that's he's kind of like comfortable with that. And then in the last scene, he has to deliver that beautiful speech where he says to her how how well she's saying it to herself, how beautiful she is. And I, I, I love that as a statement, telling people just as you are, you are beautiful, you do not need yes. to change yourself. I think wow. that is a, a very worthy statement for a Doctor Who story. And I think, yeah, something that that would resonate with a lot of people, probably a lot of Doctor Who fans, and a lot, and a lot, yeah, it would have been a, it's it's a really worthy um, value to to show on screen. You know, you are wonderful. Who the person who you are is 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 you're you're wonderful as the person you are. You don't have to change yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever. You don't have to do. Yeah. Have you heard this podcast? I don't do that for no one. <laughs> it's waltz and all on this one, I'm telling you. I'll just say every thought that comes in my head. Oh, this scene. I just and think the fact that they've got Zoe Wanamaker. Yeah. You know. And it's the look on her face when he, uh, when he says it again. No, you're so beautiful. And she's just yes. like, she's almost shocked to hear it, isn't she? Yeah. Because I know people, I know people that have had lip filler and I know people that have had, you know, injections in their forehead and they put makeup on all the time. And they're just, yeah. genu they were genuinely beautiful people. I don't understand why they're... No. Sorry, I don't right now. <clears throat> no, I just wanted to say... Oh, my. And the, the Murray Gold brings the music right down, so there's a beautiful piano, piano score playing here. But I also like the, the Doctor and Rose in the background not saying anything, just... Letting the scene play just out. There. Yeah. And it's quite good they got Zoe Wanamaker in for what well, is really quite a small part because before it was just a voiceover. So she could have done that sort of, you know, in a day. But here she's actually on screen, you know, one of our, one of the most acclaimed actresses in the country. But then, yeah. And do you know what I love here as well is how she treats him like a servant. She goes, oh, I don't need anything. And now she's here cradling him. To, so she's a she's, yeah, she's, she's panicking. What she doesn't want him to die. Yes, someone should do something. Yeah, I've got you, sweetheart. It's all right. She's just ah. Oh. Well, and what's the last thing you'd expect to do with that character after uh, End of the World, where she was basically mm. just a one-note joke, is to give yeah. her some substance and depth. It does, doesn't it? It's, and then you've got that that. And um, what I, like that's something that I think Russ T Davis does that Stephen Moffat for me failed to do, and Chris Chibnall 
does very rarely. And that is those stabs of emotion, those things that really hit my heart. Rusty yes. Davis did it every single episode. There was a moment in every single episode where I was touched or moved or, you know. He had a, he's got a gift for sort of creating characters who, you know, I, you just think of Linda with a Y in Parting of the Ways. Um, initially sort of a comedy, sort of, sort of slightly comedy character, but then you get to see her and, you know, you get to know her and you get to see her, you know, joining the doctor and you you know you're rooting for her and then she's killed off in the most graphic but non-graphic way it's horrific but there's no blood there's no and you you can't hear the daleks say exterminate but you know that's what that's what it's saying and it's fantastic but I, i've heard people say like he's a very unsubtle writer and that that like you know he he forces you to i feel like he's a very delicate writer. he knows how to like he, here's my emotional being and he's like playing it like a musical instrument he knows exactly how to to hit and yes. so, so like a scene like um that bit of the uh, in the part of the way is where rose says to jackie like i i met dad i was there w- when he died yeah, and that's how good he is and 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 jackie's horrified oh, it's just i think it's it's the some of the best doctor who yeah I, I, yes, that's a it's a that's a fantastic episode. Passing of the ways, I think it's the best season finale yeah. that they've done, and I don't I don't think they've ever topped it. Possibly Doomsday, um, but I, I really don't think they've ever topped that for for sheer spectacle, for scale, for for drama, for storytelling. Um, yeah, just just perfect, and certainly in my top ten of Doctor Who stories. Yeah, it oh, was, the, whole the, the irritating thing is, is that it got it right the first year. So where do you go from there? <laughs> you start yeah. delivering episodes like Hellbent at the end of the season, you know. Um, okay, so at the end of that, I, want to cover, I think we covered a lot of ground there, in and out of the episode. Um, yeah. What I'm doing now, last time I asked you to tell me uh, why someone should go to their shelf, grab Destiny of the Daleks and put it on, now I'm asking to recommend three things about this episode, three reasons as to why somebody should go and watch this episode. Okay. Um, there's uh, a wonderful mix of comedy and drama, uh, complete with a very funny performance from Billy Piper. Is that two things or is that one? Um, uh, well, you tell me. Okay. Uh, you, yeah. That's that's one thing. That's the first. Um, you've got David Tennant, who is only in his second story, but is completely um, in tune with who the Doctor is and how he should behave, and just gets the part from the off. And also, it's a very clever story, which is, I think, underrated and has laughs, has drama, has horror, and that wonderful touching finale. You couldn't really ask for anything more. I mean, I'm sure some would say that's probably too much, but I think you've you've got a you've got a little bit of everything, and it's just really really good. And okay. I, I've I, I've enjoyed it more. I've enjoyed it more watching it now than I probably did at the time. Which I, is weird. But I, yeah. I find that though sometimes you watch the first you watch an episode the first time round, and then when you watch it again, you seem to enjoy it more, or I do. I think maybe it's because you don't have that sense of expectancy or 
or disappointment do you think oh it's over I don't know whether that... and then you come back and watch it and you sort of maybe see bits that you missed and yeah I certainly saw in you know subsequent viewings things that I missed on the first time round of seeing it I, I have this theory and it's got sorry monarchy yeah I have this theory and, and... and Billy Piper and Wonder, which so I think that's five things now David Tennant got wet well, six twice. If he, six if he that's all I need. David Tennant was wet twice in that. That's all I need. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, although I think the general production value on that is very good, and yeah. it holds up as well. I think um, it does. Given given how old this is now, that's why I'm making you feel old. Well, yeah, this is. It's as old now as Survival was when the series came back, I think, isn't it? 15, 16 years. That's terrible. So that's crazy. Um, but that's what you said there about uh, watching the episodes new, uh, so it's, it's a kind of a, I'm expanding on something that Jason Thompson said, is about expectation. And I think we have this expectation that every episode has to be like the best episode ever, or just really, really good. And if it ain't like amazing, then we're like, well, that's a flop. And, you know, that's why those people yeah. run off to the internet and start bashing their keyboards, spreading venom. Um, and then you can go back and watch it afterwards, like going, okay, so it's not the best thing ever, but what are its strengths? And then you start looking for them. Yes. And then, you know, and like today, I've, I've not enjoyed that more. And I think maybe it's because that was a shared experience and we were yes. both pulling out positives from it while still, I mean, we had a few negative things to say, but not much really. No, not really. No, we sort of fairly kept kept it fairly positive, didn't we? Um, I mean, yeah, you could sort of pick apart, like I said about the, you know, where Cassandra was hiding does look like a basement in Cardiff rather than in, you know, a a, a, a hospital in the year five billion. But apart from that, the production values are there on screen. Okay, if you some, you know, if you lived in Cardiff, you'd know that. The reception area is that building in Wales, which the name escapes me. But so what? It looks great. It looks, mm. it, it looks like it. It's like, you know, when they filmed um, Hand of Fear in that um, nuclear uh, power station. Oh. I mean, that looked and, like a know, Bond movie. That was that was so vast. It does look like a Bond movie, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, um, and they so good. It yeah. Okay, so we've gone classic. We've gone yeah. new. Mm -hmm. So you tell me, are we going classic or are we going new next time? Oh, I don't know. Oh, sorry. If there's going to be a next time, I'm not giving you the option. <laughs> oh, well, I was worried I wasn't going to be a next time. But yeah. Um, well, now, you said the other week uh, when it, well, about Planet of the Daleks being your your absolute go-to. It is. But, but I mean, I, I would choose anything... You know, I think series ten or season ten um, is my favourite Pertwee season. Um, it's not the best one, which is I think season ten, seven, his first one. But season ten, you've got okay. There's a few ropey moments in in the in the three Doctors. You've got Carnival of Monsters, which is great fun. You've got um, Frontier in Space. Oh, that's another one I've watched with the kids as well, um, which they enjoyed. And we've been listening in the car to the to the audio book with Jeffrey Beavers, um, Planet of the Daleks, which is just real comfort. Who sort of Saturday Sunday afternoon, it's pouring with rain. Let's not. We're not going anywhere. Let's just put this on. And then the Green Death, which is wonderful. So I, but I think we've done the Green Death. There's okay. only one story I haven't done in that season. I've done four of those. 
Right. Uh, that is Frontier in Space, but I would love to do Frontier in Space with you. Shall I? It's my birth Doctor Who story because I was born between episodes five and six. So there we go. Should we do Frontier in Space? Uh, I'll just let you into a little spoiler right now. I adore that story. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I, I know I, you, some people complain about it being a bit boring and padded and yeah, okay, so poor old Casey Manning spends a lot of the time behind bars, but there are some wonderful scenes. And but every one of those prisons that they go to, yeah, and it's absolutely yeah. on purpose. Every one of those prisons that they go to expands the location more and more yes. and, and paints a bigger picture. So they go, you know, they're yeah. in the Earth prison. No, first of all, they're in the prison on the ship. Then they're in the Earth mm -hmm. prison. They're in the Draconian prison. They're in the prison in the Master yeah. Spaceship. They're on the prison on the Oberon planet. Like, I think it's, I think it's uh, cleverly padded. Yes. It's not, but it, it's it's never boring. And mm. there are some lovely scenes with with John John Pertwee and Casey Manning, and Roger Delgado as well. I think, um, I think that might be his best story, you know. Yes, definitely. Is it, is it, um, we are going well naturally because we're following them. Like him and the Oakland's <laughs> man, that is gold. All right, okay. Well then, we'll set a date and frontier yep. in place. We'll we'll head off to the Draconian Empire. The next time we meet. Ah, my life at your command, sire. <laughs> Boom.